My name is Peter Radicus, and you're listening to Tiger Talk, a student media podcast for news surrounding LSU and the Baton Rouge community. So we are actually recording this as LSU is playing Southern Miss in the region championship. But by the time you will see this, everything will be decided and we will know where and when LSU will be playing next. But to talk LSU baseball, I have now former LSU Reveille sports reporter, Jared Brotman in to talk some baseball with me, just the craziness of how regionals has been so far. Jared, how you doing? What's up, guys? It's uh, I miss y'all. It's been it's been a minute since we got in touch and everything, and uh, it's uh, happy to talk, happy to talk about this great regional weekend we've had. It's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been wild. I mean, two crazy comebacks, two days in a row. I mean, just when was the last time we saw something like this for LSU in any sport? I mean, it's just been. Something LSU and and beyond. I mean, this this weekend has been one of the best regionals of, that I can remember, um, at least for myself. Watching and uh, the the access to it now that these days, where you can watch every game on streaming, um, is is really something to see. It's, it's great for the sport. So for LSU personally to just just play the way that they have with these comeback wins, it uh, really shows the resiliency um, that they've they've built up over the season. You know. Yeah, yeah. You talk about that. I mean, that was one of. Jay Johnson's just biggest messages after the game is that, you know, baseball, there is no clock. It's not like football or basketball. You know, you have to get 27 outs. So, I mean, it's just been a big thing about fighting to the end. And that's kind of been been the theme this weekend and what they've kind of what they've kind of ran with. Um, I want to talk yeah. about just some of the, you know, some of the guys that have really stood out during that. I mean, of course, you know, it feels like everything LSU baseball kind of starts and ends with Dylan Cruz. He had the home run to start the rally against Southern Miss. You know, SEC co-player of the year. I mean, just talk about him and just how. When was the last time we saw someone do what he's doing for LSU? Honestly, Alex Bregman. And even then, I, I'm not sure Bregman is on his level um, to the point of where I, I think within four years' time, you'll be sitting on your couch on a Sunday afternoon watching a major league baseball game, and Dylan Cruz will be starting in center field for that team um, coming up. He's undoubtedly the best player in the SEC um, with committing all five tools to the game and just being a tremendous player top to bottom. He's Like you said, he's the thing that makes the LSU offense go around, and uh, his defense in center field has been spectacular as well. So uh, he's fantastic. I can't say enough good things about him. With a, what's he at, a 1.155 OPS these days? Um, that's absurd. And uh, it, it's even better from last year. Amazingly, he had a tremendous season last year, but he improved upon it. And um, he's going to be a fixture not only in college baseball history, but beyond. I think he's going to have a very successful professional career beyond that. Yeah. I mean, I've already seen people already talking about him as one of the greats, you know, in LSU history. And he's only a sophomore. He's still it's crazy that he still has to play one more season of college baseball. And people are already talking about him. I mean, rightfully so, just with with guys like Alex Bregman, you know, names like that, just as a legend already within within LSU baseball. Um, Certainly. But, oh, God. Yeah. But yeah, no, it just, um, he's kind of the kind of caps off just LSU, LSU's biggest strength. We've talked about it all year and just what this offense can be when they're on. I mean, the 10 spot against Kennesaw State really kind of pointed to that. But I mean, this, this is a team whose bats can come alive at any moment and just talk about, you know, what, how that can t- take them even further and, you know, the way it's kind of impacted their run so far. For sure. I mean, the team's biggest strength all year long has been their credibility. Um, the offense can really jump on you at any given time, and it's just a matter of time until they score a few runs over the season. Um, it, it's been that way since 
February and it's continued on throughout the year. Um, it had slowed down a bit with uh, injuries to Barry and Doty there for a while. Um, but getting them back has been a tremendous boost, and it, it looks like the offense is right back to where they left off before they got hurt. Um, I've been really impressed with the way that they've just taken those patient at-bats still, followed Johnson's game plan that they have done all season long, and uh, just continue to be resilient and continue to fight no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah, you mentioned the injuries. Barry had the injury in batting practice against Alabama. Doty had the injury literally in the last inning of the last game of the regular season. Both of them miss Hoover, and LSU was a bit disappointing in Hoover. I mean, they won the first game versus Kentucky, but then lost to Tennessee, which a lot of people expected, but then came out flat and lost to Kentucky. But that was without Barry and Doty in the lineup. Um, you know, this weekend, you've kind of seen them come back in. You've seen kind of a change in the offense. You saw the home run from, from Doty, you know, in the game the other night. Just talk about how important those two guys in particular are to just the, the depth of the, the lineup. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, this kind of shows last year that, you know, Cruz and Doty, they didn't really have the protection of a third guy around them to uh, really boost the lineup up. And that's where Barry comes in and has been all year long. Um, for them to have a guy behind them or in front of them that they can help protect or, or have protection for themselves so that these pitchers can't pitch around them. Getting Barry in there and him hitting on both sides of the plate as well is so crucial for this offense to keep moving. Um, him, his, his switch hitting ability is something that cannot be understated as important for the offense. When he was missing time, the LSU offense was very clearly clicking at different levels just because of the way that the pitching staffs and coaches could approach LSU a little bit differently because of the lack of Barry in the lineup. Um, and beyond that, I mean, those Doty and Barry were, you know, two missing pieces, but you really needed these freshmen to step up, and, and Josh Pearson has been that guy. Obviously, he had the walk-off uh, hit the other night to, to put LSU into the, uh, the winner's bracket in the regional, and uh, Josh Stevenson's played some good ball. I, I think the freshmen that have stepped up alongside those guys have really helped boost the offense as well, um, beyond just Barry and Doty, who we know are tremendous players and their absences were sorely missed. But getting the freshmen to step up and step in as well has been crucial, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, you just you mentioned the freshmen. I mean, obviously, Pearson has had a great season, has become an everyday starter in the outfield, batting 300-plus. And then Stevenson hasn't played as much as Pearson, but has played during this series. For the most part, he's been solid in the field. And, you know, even though he's struggled at times to play his batting average isn't the highest it seems like he always gives you a competitive at bat just I mean how important is that to have out of a guy you know bats towards the bottom of the order like Stevenson definitely um that's that's exactly what Jay Johnson's been looking for all year long is for guys who are just going to go out there and do their best to get the first base and if they can get on first base then you know they can start working on getting them to second base and, and beyond so for Stevenson to go up there he's very patient uh batter he, he doesn't really chase too much of things um, he's just a, a very good athlete. He can beat out a lot of, of throws, um, and that adds to his defense as well. I think he's been a solid defensive player. I think he made a couple of mistakes in the regional so far, but nothing to really, I, I think, knock on his player character as a whole. Um, so I, I really like him going forward. I think the, the program itself with these freshmen has a lot of promise, uh, along with some of these pitchers, the freshman pitchers, that have really stepped up throughout the season um, between Sam Dutton, and um, Grant Taylor, those guys are really have been uh, key pieces for LSU. Um, so the, the freshmen are, are a big 
contributor, I think, in why LSU has gotten to this point. And going forward, they'll be a big contributor in, in why LSU is going to be successful going forward. Yeah, you talk about the pitching, some of the freshman pitching, but a pitcher that really stood out to me, who I feel like didn't quite get the credit he deserved for the Kennesaw State comeback was, was Devin Fontenot. He went, I want to say, three innings, didn't allow any runs, and that's what kind of got the momentum going and set up for you know that big that big eighth inning for that LSU you know went and completed the comeback. But I mean, he's he's a fifth year guy. He's been around the program forever. I mean, just how important is it to have guys like him, guys like Bitmeyer and Hilliard, who have been around, who might not have you know the most eye popping numbers this year, but when you get late in the season, you know guys that have been there before. I mean, just how important is that now, and how far can that take LSU? Yeah, it's like you said that Devin Fontenot specifically has definitely been there. And that, that situation of, you know, win or go home, I have to go out there and, and put my best forward in order for my team to keep playing this postseason. And I really always think of that game in 2019 Super Regionals um, against Florida State when he went probably, I think, five innings into extra innings and was just absolutely tremendous on the mound. LSU ended up losing the game, and he was heartbroken. But it never was a knock on the competitor that he is, and he was never going to, to stop fighting. Um, and, and that's just who Devin Fontenot is. That's who he's been for five years. He struggled a bit this year. There's no doubting that. He's at a 4.45 ERA right now, and that's a testament to the struggles that he felt over the season on the mound. Um, but when you needed him, he stepped up, and that's the product of those five years of experience. And beyond that, like you said, Bettmeyer and Hilliard. Bettmeyer's been one of the best relievers LSU's had all year long. And Mikhail Hilliard has been the most complete pitcher um, LSU's had all year. You can count on him uh, to pick up the most innings for LSU to compete, to go out there and be really effective as a starter. Um, he's been that, that guy since March, uh, really, when he's been the Friday night starter and, and just taken over and, and really pushed hard. So... Um, really happy for all, all three of them to be, you know, fifth years like that and, and get to the point of competing at this level again. Uh, and I know it's been a struggle with COVID and with some of the program uh, changes that they had to undergo. But for, to have the three of them together with the experience that they have and to aid those younger players that we've talked about coming in and, and contributing, it's invaluable. You know, every, every good team that's going to make a run to Omaha needs to have veterans to aid the, the freshmen and sophomores that are really competing. So, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's let's talk. I want to talk, you know, just going forward a little bit. So let's say LSU does advance the Super Regionals. One thing kind of interesting development over the weekend is that in the other Super Regional that LSU is paired with, Miami, who was the host, is out, meaning that if LSU is in the Super Regionals, they will host and will now play either Ole Miss or Arizona. Obviously, plenty of storylines with either of those teams I mean, you know, obviously Arizona, you've got Jay Johnson's former team and then Ole Miss, SEC team, a rival, a team that swept, you know, LSU earlier in the season. And you get postseason baseball back at back at the box. I mean, you know, having the home field now, you know, if LSU was in that spot, I mean, how good of a position do you think that puts LSU in, you know, with two wins that can get them to Omaha? It would be tremendous to get uh, playoff baseball back in Alex Box Stadium. Like I said, I think the last, game that was played there was that Florida State series back before the pandemic. So um, actually, Trey Morgan just hit a nice little single in the left field. So that, that's going to give LSU the lead um, to one had the, had the bases loaded. So uh, let's, we'll see what happens. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think if they, 
They've come this far. I think it's going to be hard to um, not get that opportunity. I think the players have fought hard for this, and I, I think they'll get it done. But, you know, either way, I, I think the season was a success in that Johnson really laid down the foundation for what he wants to do going forward. And you'll, you'll lose some talent. Barry's going to go to the draft, and some of these pitchers are going to graduate. And there, There's going to be some changes going in this next season. But the foundation is still there. You have this great coach now who's really putting in what he wants to do um, and some really great, talented players coming back next year in Cruz, Morgan, Pearson. Um, th- those guys are really going to be set up well for the future no matter what happens today. But if they do get it done, that, that series next weekend is going to be rocking no matter who they play between, like you said, Arizona, former school of Jay Johnson and Jacob Berry, Riley Cooper and Bryce Collins um, and Ole Miss where you know you have so much history with them they're a great program and mike bianco former lsu player is the coach there and he's, he's done a great job and he also happens to be drew bianco's dad so like you said there's there's a lot of connections between those two programs and lsu and to get either one of them in baton rouge for a super would be a blast it's going to be a great weekend if it happens yeah it's talking about having baseball back at the box having that postseason atmosphere you know, obviously, you know, coming back from COVID, you know, last postseason and now the fans being back has been has been a really big thing. I mean, we've seen a lot of LSU fans traveling to Hattiesburg, seen some great atmospheres there. Um, one of the things that you left us with, you know, we had a great we had a great story. You know, you looking at Chris Gilliott, well, I'm a super fan for super fan for LSU who's been doing this forever. Just talk about, you know, kind of how that came to be and, you know, what talking to him and hearing from him was like. Yeah, I had wanted before I was going to leave the paper to really do a story on something different, something that wasn't necessarily focused on the baseball or the team, maybe something that brings LSU baseball to the point of where it is. Um, and I think a good person to talk to, I thought, was Mr. Chris. I really thought him leading the cheers for as long as he did um, was really going to be an interesting person to talk to, to get a perspective on the fans. And um he ended up giving me more than I could ask for. He was a great help, um, was a tremendous person to talk to. I, I, learned, I learned so much from him about what the fans want, what the fans love, what the fans do. And he was a great representative of the LSU fan base that really makes the team go. Like you said, the, when the box is popping, um, it, the team plays differently. You know, it, it's a different atmosphere and one that really isn't um, too common in college baseball. There's only a handful of teams that can really say they're on that level that LSU is at. Um, so getting to talk to him and getting to tell his story a little bit, I thought was a, a great opportunity for um, the fans to really learn about him and for the fans to really learn about themselves, too. I think the story really talks a lot about um, just baseball and what it does and, and why LSU fans care so much and, and what, what they care about found on the LSU Revely website, and there's a, a few copies. I know that it made the print edition. So if, if you want to read it, check it out. It was a great story. Um, definitely one of my favorites that I wrote over my three years of the paper. Um, and def- definitely uh, probably my favorite off of baseball. Um, I, I definitely covered some, I think, about five sports over my three years there. And uh, it, it was probably my favorite story that, I, that I've written. Um, so definitely check it out. Yeah, I mean, no, it was it was great. It was very interesting seeing his story. I mean, seeing somebody who's become such a huge figure in LSU baseball and LSU athletics. You know, somebody as you know, as long as I've been, you know, I haven't been going to games long, but every time I've 
Now again, even watching games on TV, you can you can hear him with the chants and just you know hearing his story, hearing where he came from was super interesting. I mean, he's been doing it for forty years, right? Yes, uh, nineteen eighty six, I believe he told me is when he he started doing it. So yeah, coming up coming up on forty years, which is amazing. And um, it, it's not just him too. That's the other thing. There's so many other personalities in the fan base that you can you can get to know. And and really, I encourage people when they go to the ballpark. Um, just go and talk to them. Like they're very like great people, and and for the fan base, I, I know how close they are and how um, passionate they are about the team. And every everybody who's there is passionate about the same things you are. So you know, reach out and, and be social, and and you can really learn a lot from talking to people like Mr. Chris. That um, they they really know a lot about the team and have seen a lot. So I, I highly recommend seeking out those conversations with people for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, y'all make sure to give that a read on our website. It's a great story. You know, Jared talks about Chris, kind of his journey, you know, starting as an LSU fan, you know, going to the games for all these years, leading the chance. It's a really good profile. Make sure y'all check that out on our website. Jared, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, you know, congrats, congrats on gradu- graduating. I mean, it's been great to been great to have you here. Um, just before you go, do you want to, um, you know, tell them where you can, where they can follow you? Yeah, sure. Uh, my Twitter is still uh, at the uh, underscore the real Jair Bear um, on Twitter. Uh, I won't be tweeting as much about LSU as much anymore. Um, and now that I am officially a retired sports journalist, um, I, I tend to just give some some commentary on things that I see. Uh, I, I love basketball, so if you like basketball, definitely give me a follow for that. Um, but you know, going forward. Um, I was really happy to have my time with the Reveille and I uh, can't thank you guys enough for, for giving me all the chances that I got to tell the stories of so many people that I, I really enjoy talking to. So thanks guys again. Yeah. Thank you, man. It's been great. It's been great having you and it was um, great to have you on today. Thank you so much. Thanks Peter. Joining me now is former Reveille Sports Editor, Reed Darcy, who also covered some LSU softball with The Advocate this past semester. Reed, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, man. What's up, Pete? Doing all right. Doing all right. So LSU softball's season came to an end a couple weeks ago in the regionals in Arizona, at Arizona State. Um, It was a kind of an up and down season for LSU softball. I mean, just kind of talk about just what the flow of this season was like. Yeah, I think I think up and down is, is the the perfect way to describe it, right? Because they got off to that start, first dozen or so games, it was they went uh, something like five and six, something like that, and it was the worst start in program history, and so that was bad. But towards the second half of the non-conference slate, they sort they sort of picked it up. They went on a little winning streak, and then SEC play started, and they sort of dropped dropped a few more games. You know, went on a little skid. And then for the second half of SEC play, they sort of picked it up. They beat um, Mississippi State. They beat Texas A&M. Um, took two series there. And then towards the end of the regular season, um, they lost to Florida, I believe. And then they went into the SEC tournament, um, lost their first game there. And then, of course, their season ended um, in in the regionals on the road. And so I think, you know, it's sort of like really roller coaster season. Um, you know, it was just one of those years – for the program, it just never really, never really came together, and it ended up being um, the one, you know, the worst season so far. I think of, of Beth Torina's 11, 10, 11 years 
um, at LSU, and you know, fewest wins she's had since she took over at LSU. So it was it was a rough year to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was you know up and down, you know, kind of rough towards the end. I mean, the ending. I want to say it was the first time LSU had gone zero and two in a regional before. They just CMLA never really kind of got it going in the regional. I mean, was it kind of a momentum, bad momentum coming from the SEC tournament? I mean, what kind of, in your eyes, went wrong for them in the regional? I think um, that, well, on the, in the first game, they started Ali Koponen, which, you know, we all expected. Uh, but towards um, the, 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 you know, the stretch of the season, the last stretch of the season, they relied on her heavily. Like, she pitched upwards of 80%, I believe, of LSU's innings in the last two or three weeks of the season, like once May hit, she pitched the vast majority of the innings. And so when it came time for the NCAA regional, NCAA regional action, you know, the first game she starts, but she only makes it through two innings. She's all, she allows five hits and five earned runs and then Tarina has to pull her, you know, so maybe, I don't know if this is true or not, but maybe she's just worn down um, and the team, you know, couldn't really, rely on her enough because they had ridden her so hard towards the end of the season. So maybe she wore down, gave up a bunch of runs, and then the offense couldn't keep up in the first game. And by the second game, um, it, it was low scoring. So, you know, they, they did well defensively and pitching wise, but, you know, they, they couldn't, they couldn't um, match the runs scored. Um, so it's sort of like a thing where they, they got good pitching and good defense in the second game, but they couldn't match it up with the hitting. It's sort of, sort of like in, in um, you know, encompass the whole season there in that one moment because, you know, it just never really came together. They never really um, put two solid performances together on offense and defense. Um, they never really did that, you know, at the same time in one big crucial game, you know. Um, that's why their season ended. And it ended on a fitting note, too, right? Um, I believe it was Sydney Peterson. She got caught the one of the runners in a, in a rundown and, uh, you know, she threw the ball and it bounced off the helmet and into the dugout and, and the two runs scored just like that. And that was the end of the game. So, um, so, you know, it's just a fitting way to end the season there. Yeah. I mean, I remember that was one of the things Beth Tarina talked about afterwards. It's just kind of the story of the season for them. You know, those kind of things happen. The ball just kind of wouldn't bounce the right way. They couldn't, could never really just put it all together in a big game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, go back, going back to pitching, that was kind of one of the storylines of the season as well. Um, Kilponen, she pitched in that game, and she was relied on heavily. For most of the season, it seemed like it was her and Shelby Sinceri. Then after Sinceri's injury, it was really, you know, just riding Kilponen heavily down the stretch. I mean, how much of an effect do you think that had on her and just the team as a whole, you know, really just coming down to having to rely on one, maybe two arms? Well, I think, I think Allie was up for it. Um, I think she, you know, she's an outstanding pitcher, right? And then uh, Beth Tarina said that, um, you know, the reason behind that increase towards the end of the season in the number of innings she pitched and the share of her innings, um, the reason that increase is because, you know, she she earned it. You know, it's a product. She said it was a product of her success. Um, so I think, you know, I think the team had no problem trotting her out there as much as they did, and I think her teammates um, enjoyed doing that because. Um, you can tell whenever she's whenever she's in the groove, whenever she's dealing, the team really rallies around her. Like she, she's she's emotional. She yells. Um, she she celebrates when she gets a strikeout, and that's sort of that energy. Kind of, you can 
kind of tell it flows back into the rest of the team and it gives them a boost. So uh, they, you know, they love pitching behind Allie, but you know, SEC softball, you need, you need more than one arm. Right. And I think maybe you can um, chalk up the rest of the season and then say that, you know, that they just couldn't get enough out of the rest of the bullpen. Um, and that's the story. Kilpone was great. Um, so Terry was herself. She, maybe she was down from her standard, but it's a high standard. Uh, but after that, they didn't get much else from, from, um, really anybody else. So I think, I think that's, they just didn't, couldn't get enough, enough from the pitchers this year. Yeah. I mean, Sonseri was an interesting player to watch as well. I mean, she's been around the program for a while. We've kind of known, you know, what, what she can do. You know, she did pitch a decent bit, was good from the plate again, second on the team in home runs. And would you say, like, did the injury, how much of an effect do you think her injury kind of, you know, close to midway point of the season had? on you know the season for her i think it might have had maybe like a really small effect in and you know two or three games maybe but i think beyond that um it wasn't it wasn't too much um she her play kind of dipped after after a while but she sort of got her groove look i, I think i think she was fine you know it, it's it's tough like that if you don't know she fouled a ball off her nose and broke her nose missed a couple of games against Alabama or like right when SEC play got started. Um, you know, she, I think, you know, she was, she was only, she was the only fifth year senior on, on the team, the only one who decided to use the extra year COVID eligibility. And I think um, it was a good final season for her. I think she's going to be remembered really well um, in the program's history. Like she's, she's a legend, you know, one of the best players to ever come through the, the program. Um, so, you know, pitching, hitting, she, she could, she did it all. And, and she did both exceptionally well and and you know i covered one one game it was you know one of those um early season non-conference tournaments um and they, they were playing drake i believe and shelby pitched a complete game and she hit two home runs and one of those home runs was the walk-off in extra innings and after that game uh beth Trina said you know it's just you know She's never seen a performance like that. It was one of the best performances in program history, you know, in all her years of college softball. She's never seen anything like that. So I think I think that's Sinceria's legacy. She's leaving behind, you know, a lot of hits, a lot of pitches, a lot of strikeouts. Um, so I think everyone's going to remember her well. Um, you know, it didn't end the way she wanted it to, but, you know, that's, that's softball. You know, she's got to bounce back. Yeah, obviously, team-wise, like you said, didn't quite end the way her and the rest of the team probably wanted to. But there was a little bit of consolation for Sinceri getting picked as the number nine overall pick in the women's professional fast pitch draft um, a couple weeks ago. Um, I mean, just Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, talk about that, you know, and, you know, maybe a little bit about how that how that league works and, you know, her her stock. Yeah, that's. It's, it's pretty exciting. Um, it's a new, it's a brand new thing. If you don't know about it, um, it's the professional. Uh, I don't. I think it's women's professional fast pitch league. It's a brand new thing. Um, and I watched actually watched one of their promotional videos earlier. Um, and the essence of the video is they they juxtapose a young boy and a young girl um, at the start of the video, and the boy was saying. Um, you know, I want to be a professional baseball player when I grow up, right? And the, the little girl said, I want to be a professional softball player when I grow up, right? So the video then follows them, you know, through through their middle school, through high school, through college. Um, and it ends with um, the, the boy getting drafted 
into the into the majors and he, he's putting on his hat he's got a suit on and he's like i'm gonna be a professional baseball player you know and then sort of on the other half of the screen it's, it's the girl all growing up you know she had just finished her college career and now it's sort of like she's got nothing to do now right because there's no real there's no real opportunity for these girls um after college to play um softball it's sort of like you get you reach the highest level of Division One, and that's it. So this league is trying to um, erase that inequality and trying to build something, trying to build a sort of path um, for you know the most talented softball players to um, to get drafted into once they wrap up their college careers. And, and so Shelby Shelby Sinceri, she she was drafted ninth overall by the the Vipers. Um, there's only two teams in the league right now: the Vipers and the Pride. Um, so she'll be playing for the Vi- for the Vipers this summer. Um, and it'll be fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see this new thing and how it goes. Yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting. You know, great opportunity for her, great opportunity for all those involved in that in that new league. And it will be something that will be interesting to watch as it kind of unfolds this summer and, and going forward. I guess going back to the LSU softball team, season, you know, ended in a bit of disappointment. But just looking at this team going forward, I mean, what is it? What does this offseason look like and going into next season? You know, how will they kind of regroup and what are the expectations coming off of this into the next year? You know, they're a young team and they're only use you know, they're only losing as of right now, they're only losing one starter and that's sincerity. Um they might they might I don't know, but they might lose somebody from the transfer portal, a player or two. Um, you know, that's just the state of college athletics right now. Anybody can transfer at any given time and it's particularly um Likely for this LSU team because they've had, uh, you know, a log jam of recruiting classes in back-to-back years, bringing in eight or nine players each year. So it's possible you might see a player or two transfer out, but you know you got to keep in mind that um, there's a lot of young talent and there's a lot of opportunities, um, opportunities in the lineup and in the field for um, players to step up and fill in. So you, you got um, the table setters. Uh, Dan Kokofi, Sierra Briggs, two leadoff hitters, they're going to be back. Um, and then behind them, you're going to have a couple power hitters, Georgia Clark, Taylor Pleasance. They're going to be right behind them in the order, and they'll hopefully, you know, um, send Briggs and Coffee home. And then you've got um, a couple freshmen right behind them, um, Sidney Peterson, Mackenzie Rudity. They both played um, a lot this year, and so the experience they got this year will help them in their careers, both of them shown a lot of promise. And then there's Allie Newland, who's a sophomore this year, going into her junior year next year. Um, she really had a breakout year this year. Um, she played left field and a little bit of catcher. Um, she's, she's She was really good this year, and she's going to be, you know, one of those four or five top hitters next year. Um, and then for p- pitching, pitching-wise, Kilpona's coming back. She's coming back for fifth year. Um, and Raylan Chafin, she was a freshman this year. She's She's going to be going into her sophomore year. She, Ray, Ray, Raylan Chafin, showed a lot of promise. Um, first SEC start, I believe, she pitched a complete game against Alabama and shut them out. Um, so she she had a lot of flashes this year. Um, she should be able to take on a lot of innings next year. Um, and they also got a bunch of pitchers coming in in the recruiting class. So it'll be Copone, uh, Chafin, and a, a bunch of freshman arms behind them in the bullpen. Um, and, you know, the lineup, it's pretty much set, you know, it was pretty much um, returning pretty much everybody that um, was in the lineup uh, this year, except for Sinceri. So, you know, you got to be excited about the future because um, the players are young and they're developing and they're going to continue to grow. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Plenty of talent coming back. You know, you talk about possibly losing some players to the transfer portal, but it's also fair to say that, you know, you could gain, you know, plenty from the transfer exactly. portal if necessary. Exactly, yeah. So, so it will definitely be interesting to see, you know, how this team develops and, you know, what they look like next year with all this young talent coming back, having an extra year to develop and seeing what kind of season they can put together in, in 2023. Um, but with that said, um, Reed, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, where can they find you on social media? Find me on Twitter at ByReedDarcy. Um, find, find me on there. I'll, I'm pretty active on Twitter, so you can find me there. So... Yep, yep. Thank you so much, Reed, for, for coming on. And um, hope you have right, a good, good rest of the summer. Thanks for listening to Tiger Talk. For our social media, you can find The Reveille on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LSU Reveille. And you can follow our new TikTok page at Reveille LSU. For KLSU, you can find them on Instagram at KLSUFM and live on 91.1 FM.